Oh my god. <laughs> this is gonna be so fun. We are here. Okay. I just sent Rachel Marco Polo. I don't even know if you watched it, Rachel, but of me just hysterically laughing for no reason. Oh yeah, I did actually so, watch that. Was that's that where I'm had, at. Was that yeah, when you had food in your teeth? Uh, but your phone's oh, probably. in airplane mode um, no, so that... that it doesn't... Interfere. Yeah. This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugar-coated conversations on wellness, created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to season three of the podcast. Hi, I'm Janelle. A potbelly pig once bit me as a child. A single Cheeto caused me to cough up blood. And I loved reduced fat, skippy peanut butter. Hi, I'm Rachel. I'm pretty sure I'd survive a zombie apocalypse. I prefer crunchy to smooth anything. And I'm really fucking tired. Hi, I'm Kane. I never learned how to ride a bike. I had panic attacks as a kid and didn't realize until four years ago that that's abnormal. And at one point, I could have absolutely changed the course of television history by stealing the notes of the then showrunner of The Walking Dead. And we are your host of the True North Collective podcast. But I didn't steal it, so, yeah. (laughs) It's the longest fact I've ever heard. (laughs) The nerds will love it. The nerds will love it. This is great. Also, the the crossover... The nerds are here for it. The crossover between the three of us, because the crunchy versus smooth for peanut butter... Also ice cream yeah. and soup. Creamy. But then the Creamy zombie crossover. Mm-hmm. Kind of weird. It, it might have been like the weird. collective unconsciousness oh, and the, the coronavirus. COVID-19. And all, COVID-19. Yeah. COVID-19, I apologize. <laughs> no offense to the... I like calling it COVID-19. Normal coronavirus. Those two are different things. Those are two different oh, things. Shit. COVID-19 is a strain. A specific strain. That does what? It's worse? Uh, yeah. Uh, clearly. What makes it worse? Oh my gosh. Uh, it has a uh, 10 times the death rate. Or wait, no, that's 10 times the death rate regular flu. I don't know. Fuck. Uh, yeah, we'll that's have to have my sister. She runs a microbiology lab. Yeah, get the what's up. So, like, listeners, if you're death? hearing this, uh, we're probably gone now. <laughs> yeah. I'm this <laughs> no, I'm still going to be here. I'm still going to be here. That's what I just said. I will most likely survive. Oh, well. A zombie apocalypse, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Wait, okay, so are you into The Walking Dead, Rachel? Um, I'm into most zombie things, but I never really got like super, super, super into that. I don't know why. Wasn't it on HBO? Are you? No. AMC. AMC. I think so. I AMC, yeah. Um, how would you survive? Like, what's your strategy here? I mean, you fucking shoot them in the head. <laughs> I mean, I just okay, wouldn't, I would, just, I would be, I like have this vision of myself that if, and Dylan says this too, he's always like, yeah, I mean, if it was a zombie apocalypse, I pretty much just throw you in front of me because you would just go ape shit on them. Like, I'm just kind of crazy. Like a Tasmanian devil. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Or a Pomeranian. Yeah, I, either. I would just, I would not, I would not lose. I would run fast. I would climb up buildings and I would absolutely like, I would bash their heads in. 
I, I have no shame. I wish you could all see the look in her eyes because it's <laughs> terrifying. <pretty> terrifying. <laughs> Don't fuck with Rachel Bellotti. Yeah. Dylan was like, I just start drinking and I just enjoy my last day. I was like, not me. Yeah. Okay, so how did you almost get the, what was your? Uh, so what was that? 20, oh, actually it's a 10 year anniversary. Uh, so it's 2010. Uh. I was at a film festival and there was an anniversary screening of uh, the movie Memento and Frank Darabont, who directed the Shawshank Redemption, was there for the anniversary of the Shawshank Redemption. But at the time, he was also working on what was then the first season of The Walking Dead. So he showed up with like this huge like uh, like file with like uh legal pad full stuff and also a graphic novel of the walking dead at the time i thought oh i guess he loves comic books and then later on i realized oh he's doing like the adaptation and then i'm like oh i probably could have like ruined the tv show by stealing all of his notes because we sat right next to each other that's crazy where was that uh it was at the magnolia theater in uptown west oh, village here. in dallas yeah crazy yeah wow I've been to the um, what's the Park City Film Festival? Oh, Sundance. Yeah. Wow, you're like oh, I've been to the Park City, <laughs> the one at Park. My, you mean the, child? the preeminent <laughs> independent one. film well, festival of North America? So here's what happened: is like right a few days after my birthday in January is when it is, and one of my very best friends growing up moved there and her birthday is the so mine's january 29th hers is the 31st and the year before she was like oh my god i met brad pitt and so she has a picture of her at the film festival with yeah, pictures of brad pitt i was like i'm coming next year i'm coming and there wasn't really anyone famous when i was there what year did you go i can't remember it, it might have been around the recession because when that happened like a whole bunch of uh, distribution arms like folded completely and mm-hmm. like there's no money. Do you this know, was pre Netflix too, so yeah. like there wasn't a lot of. Well, there was a movie that Macaulay Culkin was in where he was like. What it was a Seth Green one, right? Maybe, yeah. yeah. Yes, I knew. Yeah. Of course, you would know. So that was the year yeah, I yeah. saw that. Monster is that what it was called? Or oh wait, is it Twenty Four Hour Party Monster? Maybe. Maybe is not. that one? Oh, is yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think it was that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean it was good. Like the movies were great. I yeah. loved it. I had so much fun. We used it when we were in Milwaukee. They had a pretty decent film festival there. I miss it a ton. I just I used to go. Janelle, did you go when it was there? Movies. Mm-mm. What? Oh I my god! Watch, so I don't they, watch them. Oh, okay. Um, we're gonna have to end this podcast. I know right for now. real. I get mad at her literally every single episode for dumb shit like that. So the Metropolis, they did it to an orchestra, and I cannot remember the name of it because I'm really bad with names, but you went into the theater, and it was an old theater that got turned into a movie theater, mm-hmm. and they had a live orchestra that created their own... Um, a live score. Live score to... Metropolis. It was so fucking good. Awesome. That, that movie awesome. is amazing. Yeah, it is. It's, it's so great. Yeah. No. So anyways... Janelle, sorry you can't contribute to this amazing conversation. I know. I feel like an outsider, but not the first time. <laughs> Won't be the last. 
Maybe someday I'll just never leave the couch and I'll just try to watch all the movies and educate myself and get on everyone else's level. You won't. I mean, oh, yeah, I the, the way things are going, I think you'll have your chance probably oh, yeah. pretty imminently. <laughs> self quarantine <laughs> and all that. Oh my god! That, okay. I, you know, that is true. We uh, none of us are going into the office this week, and I feel I like left the home today, and I'm like, oh my god, finally other humans. It's been rough, but I don't have a TV. See, I don't have a TV right now in my new place. That's a good thing. I'm gonna watch. It is a good thing, but it's hard to watch movies, and I don't really want to watch them on my laptop. I, I have a couch. To break it to you, but uh, there's this thing called the internet, and like, <laughs> yeah, you could stream stuff right on the. I know, but who internet? wants to like watch movies on their laptop? I do. Do you? I don't, but I own a television. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I also don't have a couch, so just nothing is comfortable. <laughs> She uh, just you just moved in there though. Oh, yeah. Well, but I'm not gonna buy a couch. There's no room for one. Well, what about your bed? Yeah, but that kind of affects your ability to sleep. You know, like watching. <laughs> I'm not you even sleep? gonna go there. Y'all just hate me. <laughs> <You> sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh <laughs> my answered. god. Yes, I can watch movies on my laptop in bed. Janelle, how are you drinking kombucha and not burping? Oh, I just keep on muting every time I burp. <laughs> oh, if you got a good one, can I hear it since you're not very good? Um, e- yes, but I think you'll be disappointed. I for sure will be, but it'll make yeah, you'll be like myself. That's your burp. <laughs> you're pathetic. But it'll just be another thing you can't stand about me on the podcast. Janelle, I love you. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it's just the podcast. Yeah. Um, how is how does my internet sound though? Because this is my first recorded podcast in my new home. Significantly better. Is my internet good? Yeah, it's significantly better. Yay, internet. I think, I think this is going to um really change things for us. I think so too. This is the turnaround point. Yeah. So Kane, you started to say something before and we told you to wait and it seemed really important and i'm sitting on the edge of my seat waiting to hear what was it what it was <laughs> okay uh before we really get into everything that is this podcast uh i need to warn both you two and the listeners that i am completely unqualified i uh i have no idea what i'm talking about uh i am a dilettante i am wrong so feel free to push back what's a dilettante uh Basically, someone who doesn't really, who isn't experienced enough at their craft. They're not like a master uh, at their craft. Us either. A what now? Us are us neither. Same. Oh, oh, I thought I thought you said a seether. <laughs> oh. I'm like like that post grunge band yeah. from the guy who Ooh, did Slipknot. I've got a really important question for you. Yeah. Do you like emo? No. Yes. <gasps> oh. Yes, Why? Uh, it's uh because <gasps> I didn't grow up in the suburbs. I don't know. <laughs> True. That is actually that's probably really accurate. Yep. You know who likes emo music? Um, my favorite musician, AOK, because he messages me sometimes on Instagram, mostly just because I'm a super fan, and he is into Death Cab for Cutie. So shout out to AOK. Thanks for responding to all my messages. Death Cab for Cutie counts as emo. 
I think so. Um, I mean, are you kind an of. Are you kind an of. No. Okay. No. Either. Definitely not. Yeah, no. no. It's not like there's like Death Cab, but then there's Hawthorne Heights, My Chemical Romance, Definitely like not. the latter, more emo. But... <laughs> That's a hell no. <laughs> it's really divisive when we ask this question. People are either really into it or very not. Nope. Was never. There's well, a whole bunch of emo nights now. Now I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. Yes, oh, there's emo God. nights in Deep Bellum and stuff. No. Yes. So Margaret, who was on our podcast a couple episodes ago, she is hosting an emo party glam photos. I kind of want to drive down to L.A. just to show up and do it. I mean, I'm really excited for that group of people that gets to have a gathering of things that they love. But (laughs) Uh, again, uh, at the time, (laughs) it's very unclear whether that will end up being delayed or not. Aren't there not even allowed to be gatherings in L.A. in California? Well, uh, I think the state has gone as far as the furthest that any United States territory has done in terms of, like, be careful with gatherings or whatever. But I don't know if L.A. specifically has... I thought California had a full-on ban. Maybe. Maybe. Because I know the video game conference E3 was just canceled today. Mm. So I, I don't know if it's... I know in some cities it's like... Anything more than two thirty, definitely not. Yeah. So I, I, Shit. I don't know. Yeah. Is uh Joshua, too much. Is Joshua Tree in California? It is. Yes. Fuck. Yeah. Well, I mean that's outside though. I know, right? right? So like. Oh, fingers crossed! I'm supposed to go to Contact in the Desert in May. Oh, I I be, I'd keep close eye on that because. March Madness, which NCAA is... Well, we're really going to the weeds here. NCAA is, like, so <laughs> greedy with their money. Like, they yeah. don't... That's why they definitely don't want to play the college kids. Yeah. Uh, and they announced today that they're going to be playing March Madness games with no audience members. So oh, that's, that's what... There's a, a game tonight. Loss. Yeah. I thought that was... I thought that was professional. No, no, no. Uh, well, yes, but March Madness, the yeah. NCAA thing that makes like a ton of money for the networks yeah. and the NCAA yeah. they're gonna have no uh attendees to the games it's just gonna be the teams which so is a awkward. huge loss of revenue oh right and that that's not something they would do like what do we not know here what's like not being said uh there's a we'll see as someone who works a lot in live art or live yeah. experiences that's gonna be the big question going forward of like this whole don't gather in like in large numbers thing how that's going to affect like everything yeah everything from uh sports sporting events to concerts south by was canceled yeah, last week I know. uh there's talk that coachella might be postponed at the very least yeah uh, they did they did coachella and stagecoach is going to be in september now oh wow they fi- oh, okay breaking news but by the time it's definitely not uh it's like a month old (laughs) Uh, theatrical exhibitions Uh so movies in theaters are uh in china completely uh shut down for how long indefinitely indefinitely until things go down well to put it in numbers uh uh at at this the time of this recording there's been like 175 million dollars oh in chinese box office revenue the same uh time frame last year it was in the tens of billions of dollars so that's oh. a huge yeah, loss that's gigantic. I, 
it's like I don't know what to do besides laugh because it's so weird. Yeah, I was talking about this with my brother. It like we just uh, saw the uh, mayor of Dallas talking about we're canceling uh, St. Patrick's Day, uh, but now, are they? But, yes, the parade's done. Yes, what? the parade is canceled, <gasps> and like he literally said the movie politician line of like but now is not the time to panic oh, and it's like no. we couldn't help but laugh it's like can you believe this is happening like what yeah this is so weird oh, and the WHO uh, WHO upgraded uh, COVID-19 from a outbreak to a global pandemic what qualifies that uh, meaning that it has spread across the globe and the rate has uh, the rate of uh, transfer has increased Okay, more so than the SARS and all the other ones. I don't know for sure what those qualified as, but an outbreak is usually like local. I should like... probably stop touching my face. Oh well, yeah, we all <laughs> we all do that. We do that horribly. Shit. Yeah. Well, okay, and like really, the more of the problem is just how quickly it's spreading. So I do follow my sister, like my sister again. She runs a microbiology lab. Um, at a VA hospital and really what they're worried about is that too many people are going to get it at one time and then they can't actually help people so but it's less about it, people if you get it and you don't get like do you is it inevitable death when you get it no, no. right no you just Most sometimes healthy but people you don't could, right but you could be a carrier and the, the incubation period it doesn't show up right away right yeah, some people aren't don't show symptoms, yeah. and they could be carriers, and yeah. like it's, yeah, loady loady. It's then it's still pretty new that they're still trying to figure out. Yeah, yeah. What so, a great like yeah, week totally. to have you on. True. Uh, yeah, w- uh, welcome to True North, where we talk about <laughs> global pandemics Living your true and North its effect a on the economy. Yes, yes. Okay, I'm gonna introduce you, Kane. <laughs> Sound good? Yeah. All right, I'm going to botch this up, and then I'll redo it. Well, um, no, and then I will restate what you said. Perfect. And, yeah. Accurately. Okay. So, Kane is somebody that I met in Dallas who just, like, I've literally never met anyone like you, and you're going to hate this intro because I'm going to really talk you up. <laughs> you're going to be so pissed. But truly, Kane is, like, somebody who is, you're going to have a special place in my heart forever. Because you just are you so fully. And to me, that's um, one of the coolest things that I can ever experience and witness and be able to, to see in the world. Kane Rodriguez is a playwright and director. He most recently directed the D- Dallas The Remix Theatrical Project, and which will be potentially returning to the stage this summer in 2020, assuming that the uh, global pandemic doesn't take us all out um, in Dallas. So if you're around, definitely check that out. Um, he is maybe an artist. He has has claimed he doesn't really like to, to claim being an artist. I think he is. He maybe thinks he is. Um, but he absolutely is an informational professional. Information I, professional. Information professional. Yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, what that means is uh, databases, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's, uh, I think how you described it to me was basically you make sure that all the information is properly stored so that it doesn't get lost. Yeah. Which is really cool because when I went to Egypt, a lot of records have been lost over, like, a lot. Mm-hmm. And 
I thought your job was really cool before. And then when I was there and I realized just like how much information from our past is not available to us and we're trying to fill in the gaps, I was like, damn, that is like a very, very necessary job. Is that like information systems and like business school terms? Is that similar? Uh, yes, uh, sort of. That's how, sort of how uh, the the private sector has sort of like interpreted what that is. But uh, if you go directly through the information technology way, uh, it, it's it, uh, it's a lot more like we talk a lot about libraries and information agencies and centers and stuff like that. And a lot of that in the private sector translates to stuff like uh, helping companies keep track of all their records, uh, creating systems so that day-to-day work is accessible and that uh, you maintain records for a certain amount of time before tossing them aside because you don't want to keep everything forever. Uh, Yeah. How did you find out you were so passionate about that? by going back to school for it, huh. to be honest, yeah. I, I've always been sort of vaguely uh, interested in the idea of uh, uh, preservation of stuff, specifically with uh, media, uh, and then uh, like just uh, deep diving into uh, into school, like for the first time in like over a decade, like it made me realize like how much I loved learning, and like how excited I am by stuff that I know is boring. Like I'm reading, I'm like, this is boring, but I'm so excited by it. Uh, yeah. So that's, I love that. How come you, how come you're more keen to own the information professional over artist because informational professional is boring. Maybe, but also because I've been doing that, even though I've haven't, I've been, even though I don't know that I've crap, (laughs) <laughs> All right, so I'm a public servant. I work for the uh, for a government agency, and because of the nature of the beast, uh, they don't really tell you what you're doing. They just have like a generic title, so you'd be like, uh, "Do this." And so I've been doing what I've been learning has been stuff within the information professional world for uh, about a decade now, and so like I can I like I know it intuitively like I can Uh, so you feel more credible there yes because I don't know anybody else personally that I feel is better than me at it which isn't that big of a thing because within the government like you know but uh yeah not in art art it's like oh you went to the fancy private school got it you definitely you already have equity points cool dope cool so uh how did you get here to today uh, my notes say lift. Uh, and also it says, it says hold for laughter, hold for laughter. And then it continues, uh, a seven thirty split of inaction and purposeful action. Cool. Wait, 70% inaction. Yeah. 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 But you say, you say yes. Do you consider that inaction? You say yes to a lot of stuff that is only like... recently. Oh, I see. But I would necessarily have been in this spot if I didn't waste my time doing other stuff. If that makes sense. Yeah. I only got here how I got here. Is yeah. essentially what it is. Yeah. 
What were you wasting your time doing? Uh, running away from... I don't... I can't really... I guess not realizing what I actually liked doing. The fact that I actually liked uh, doing theater when I was a kid. Uh, not really realizing that I liked learning, I guess. Uh, not, yeah, just all sorts of that. Not recognizing certain traits, because I've always been interested, again, vaguely in preservation, but I didn't really understand how to, like, verbalize it and all that. Yeah. And that's also what's been helpful with going back to school and applying it to my current job. It's like, oh, so this is everything I've been doing. Now I have a language for it. I have a vocabulary for it. That's how I feel about life coaching, actually. It's like I didn't know there was such a thing, and I was kind of, like, doing it because that's my just, like, innate way of being. And then one day I found out about this pr- a profession with the dumbest name ever called life coaching. And yet I was like, holy shit, this is what I've been, this is what I do. You, I can make a career out of this, holy shit. Um, so I can relate to that. But what were you, instead of doing those things, what were you doing? Uh, spitting wheels at dead-end jobs. Uh, avoiding therapy, probably, mm. is the most honest answer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, being lost, I guess, yeah. and not realizing that the path was there or that there was a path. Yeah, something like that. What made you, well, first, what dead end, what was your most dead end job that you had? Uh, working at a grocery store. What were you doing there? Uh, started as a uh, quote-unquote maintenance uh, employee, which was basically the janitor, and then working my way up to produce clerk. Okay. I, my first job was a bagger at Jewel. At Jewel? Like at Jewel Costco? Jewel Osco. Jewel Osco, not Costco. Jewel Osco. It's a Chicago, like a Midwest, maybe. Okay. Maybe they, do they not yeah, have them? It's a Midwest thing. Maybe they don't have them anymore. We had to I wear. I don't think they're really around. Yeah, we had to wear polyester black pants and thick polyester royal blue t shirts in the dead of summer and in chicago it actually is pretty humid and there was a guy who there's a guy who um was another bagger and cart boy with me and when i had to be doing the carts and i'd just be like sweating he'd be like i'll do all the carts for you you don't have to and then he was such a sweetheart i think his name was travis i wonder where travis is I I, i actually sometimes wonder that myself a lot Okay, what made you start saying yes to things? Uh, mm, therapy, probably. Yeah. That was one of the things of, like, make a list of things that have brought you joy throughout your life. Start doing more of those things. Yeah. And then, yeah, people started asking me, like, I tried to volunteer at a theater company. They said, hey, uh, we're actually having auditions. Do you want to just do that? And I said, yeah, sure, okay. And I got that job and then on and on and on. Yeah, yeah. What got you to start actually writing stuff of your own? Uh, I've always been interested in uh, storytelling, but primarily through uh, cinema and television. And I, I, previously I toyed with writing before, 
but especially uh, being in, uh, entrenched in the local theater scene and rubbing shoulders with uh, local playwrights. Like, I, I realized, like, oh, like, I could actually, like, just write. Like, I could just write. Like, nothing's preventing me from just writing. And, like, it was at a point where I was like, oh, like, people just put on their own shows. Like, I could do that. That's crazy. Yeah. I went to one of... Have you put on your own show? Uh, yes. The short answer is yes. I, I went to one of Kane's... It wasn't one of your first ones, was it? Uh, it was a stage reading. Uh, let me think. Of something I wrote, yes, it was really? his first stage reading. Yes, because I'm very protective of what gets out that I've written. It was so good. Like I show up, it's so. I mean, it sold out, wasn't it? People were uh, just, like standing. Yes. Uh, f- according to uh, what I heard, it was the first of of that season to uh make a profit yeah so it was so good that's awesome that was at the coffee shop you took me to right rachel yeah i like literally yeah literally afterwards i'm pretty sure i called janelle was just like oh my god i went to this thing it was so good it was just so good it was so good it was terrible yeah you did but i see i don't that's so cool though i i recently wanted I still do but to do stand-up comedy and I'm so scared and I started writing like jokes down and some another day asked me to share it and like same thing I'm like no <laughs> just these are for me so I, I applaud you for having the bravery to actually take it and and put it out there because I know how scary that can be yeah you don't realize how really scary it is until like you hear it out loud like i uh i was recording audio of the reading for posterity's sake but uh i was also glad that i was doing that because i was able i I was monitoring the audio and i was able to completely like disconnect from the entire room and was like had an out-of-body experience and was like i am not here i do not care about any of these people yeah uh, and like i had a whole bunch of people tell me like days after that right after the reading wrapped up and people were like coming up to me that I looked completely dazed and like disinterested. I'm like, yeah, because I did not want to be there. I didn't want to hear what anybody wanted to say. Yeah. Yeah. Like burying your soul to the world. (laughs) Yeah. It's yeah. It's weird. (laughs) What made you keep doing it after that? Uh, uh, friends accountability of like, keep doing it, keep doing it. Uh, and like it, it reached up, like it, it always reaches a critical mass of like, you know how you're rolling something uphill and then like w- once it reaches the peak, like at a certain point it just keeps going. It's like, well, I it now it just has to keep going. I need to finish it. So yeah, it's good. It's so good. I I wish that there was a way that we could like point people to be able to experience it, um, our, our audience, because it. And I, I, I don't think it's just because I know you. Like, it was just so well done. And the actors that you selected for it was just like... Not me, my oh. uh, director. Because I, I, oh, de- yeah. I deliberately... What I... De- uh, the fun of, to me, doing uh, any sort of writing that is to be performed or whatever is that it's interpreted in all sorts of different ways. 
like no matter like uh, a document, right? Whether it's like a memo or a new news article or whatever, is going to be interpreted to each person's own. Uh, this is a information professional thing. Template of understanding. Everybody has their own template of understanding. A core of how they go about understanding the world and interpreting the world. Each one is different. Sometimes there's similarities. Sometimes there's overlap. But each one is unique to the individual. So part of the fun to me is not only is the audience going to interpret what's out there, but that the director will interpret it in a way that I didn't intend for it and that the actors will interpret it in a way that I didn't intend for it. So I told... Uh, the director is a friend of mine i was like i give you permission to absolutely fuck this up because i've been in positions where i've had to direct uh uh new works and like the playwrights like right like on my shoulder like breathing down my neck of like wanting to this specific way and to me that's not fun the fun is to see what zany things will happen with people colliding to different personalities and energies colliding together yeah i love that so, did you, you'd never seen them do any of it? Uh, I did for, I went to the first table read, uh, just because you kind of, you kind of should. It's like one of those things that you should do. Okay. Of like, just show up for the first one. Yeah. And then hopefully you don't go to the next ones to sort of like give them to room to really like, all right, uh, the parent is out, so yeah, let's yeah, just yeah. screw around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I was there for the first reading and the first reading is always like very cold and people are usually reading it for the first time, even though they're supposed to read it before they get there, they're reading it for the first time. So they don't really, they're not really charting the arcs of the characters that well. So you're just hearing it to hear it basically. And then, so like, yeah, I, there are certain, I was not expecting for it to come across as romantic and sweet and cute as it did. Yeah. I that was the main thing that I was shocked by. Of like, there's this woman who told me she was crying throughout yeah, it. Yeah, dude. And I'm like, I think I had a tear. What? Like, yeah. That's. I. Crazy. I love how the call call it to perspective, though. I think that's really beautiful, and it's so many different facets of our life that we're all going to see things differently, and that someone can take this beautiful crafted you know story and experience, and then add their own flavor to it and then that you can be detached enough that you can just let it live which Rachel Rachel knows this but I've been playing with detachment a lot lately and it's not easy to do like this you know especially when you put so much effort into something to just let it be what it's going to be and just trust that the director and the actors are going to do it justice that's really cool well see my thing is like I don't want them to do it justice i because <laughs> ideally when you write a play you're not always going to be there right isn't the dream like oh it's going to go off and have its life and make me all that sweet money so like i i do i want it to i want to see the worst possible version of it so i can see like oh i guess i didn't plan for that i didn't put up little bumpers for you to not go down that road uh so yeah like it it I trust them to give it a good try, not necessarily to give it justice, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You worked with Flexible Gray, right? Uh, Yes, it was through Flexible Gray Theater Company, which is a local LGBTQ-focused theater company in Dallas. Yeah, they're awesome. I I remember um, as 
we were getting to know each other, Kane, talking about the parallels between the acting world and theater and life and how as an actor, I was a dancer, so I wasn't necessarily learning all these like, you know, I learned steps and moves and the part that I played was pretty narrow um, within that world. But just how many facets you actually are invited to explore when you're in theater of like, I'm going to butcher this, but I remember you talking about a scene that either you were a part of or you witnessed or were working on in some capacity and was like, okay, the light could come from this direction. It could come from this direction. It could come from this direction. You could react a million different ways. And so just that open, is this ringing a bell at all? Uh, probably not, but I can follow you. Continue. Okay. But just the idea that as an actor, you're like trained in being able to um, be open to like so many different options and you have to be ready to kind of like go wherever it takes you and then be open and non-attached to so many different potential next steps. And I always loved that as an invitation for myself as a human of like a lot of times it can be easy to get really binary about like, well, I can either do this or I can do this and get like super black and white. Um, And I often think about like, or I could have like literally a million options and I could just be playing it out and see what happens. I don't know. It just like blew open my idea of um, how my life could unfold. It's kind of interesting. Do you remember that conversation? Uh, Yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, of the idea of, uh, like, there's some sort of, there's something happening during the performance that the audience is unaware of, that the performers are aware of, and we sort of have to either pretend like it's not there and stay rigidly to what we had supposedly planned, or to just accept it and go with it. One of my favorite moments is, uh, there's a, there is a moment with, like, a, bottle with a Jack Daniels bottle and I had to put the cap screw the cap back on and I ended up like not securing it and so like when I went to spin it it spinned off and then fell on the ground and without missing a beat the uh, my scene partner went and picked it up and just like a normal human being like Looked at it, looked at me, and then offered to me like an actual moment, but while I was still doing her lines, and it felt real and authentic. And from that night on, we just kept doing that, mm. just because like that's nothing that could have been written. That's nothing that the director told us. It was just like, oh, this works. Like this is just what it is. But I've worked with actors, both as scene partners and as director, of people who are very like, no, the way it's set is the way it's set. So like, I'm gonna do my thing. And if, say, my scene partner misses their line, I'm just going to stay here rigidly until they say their line. And then I'll respond to that. Yeah. And it's like... Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's so... You'll be surprised how many people are like that. And I... Yeah, I, I just... That drives me up the wall. So, actually, what I'm hearing there is that it's not that acting inherently is like all this possibility, but that in fact, maybe you are more drawn to that way versus the rigid way. And maybe that's because you're just like, um, what do I want to say? That translates being able to practice being in that space. Maybe that gave you more space in life. 
it's a uh, that's a tricky thing it's uh, of like what helped more like is it a b or c and it's yeah. like i don't know because i did a b and c all at the same time mm. i was doing therapy i was uh for the first time taking medication and also being back in theater all at the same time all concurrently i i don't know which affected which yeah. will it still work if i did two out of the three i don't know like i did all three at the same time yeah. it's it's unclear yeah. but i do know that doing theater has sort of i don't know if it made me better a better person but made me more flexible with uh problems of like okay this is a problem that came up let me just accept it and then like decide okay what are the next steps that i can do right now and then like worry about it bit by bit yeah it's i love it actually and i think after we had that conversation i was talking to tasha and i was like man everybody should have acting and have that experience because it's such an organic way and you're actually practicing almost real life scenarios and practicing okay well the cap just fell off so what i have to accept that it did i can't pretend that it didn't Mm -hmm. what do i do from here like you know so anyways i love acting is a a really a really good segue into life i i grew up in theater camps and things like that too and ever everything you're saying it's yeah you have to be fluid sometimes you're going to say something and it's supposed to be funny and no one laughs and you have to just be you know on your toes and move forward or maybe you say something and you weren't expecting a laugh um something can go wrong and yeah it's just i mean it's like anything in life but you're just doing it very publicly where people are really paying attention to you but i think i learned a lot about myself how to be flexible how to problem solve in a very quick manner through theater because I've had that too where being on stage and someone skipped like five pages of the script and you're on stage with them and you're like well shoot like we (laughs) there was a lot we needed to talk about there how are you going to backtrack and essentially fill in the rest of the story without the audience having any idea that this person just skipped five pages of material (laughs) Uh, you said something that was comes up a lot when I talk to what, uh, at least within our little friend group, we call muggles, of like <laughs> grown-ups that aren't uh, actively doing art anymore, uh, of like this idea of like doing it in public is scary and all that. But for me, it's the exact, I've told Rachel this dozens of times, it's the exact opposite for me. Like, sure, you're doing it, quote-unquote, in public, but you know everything that's going to happen. You know the lines. You know, best case scenario, what the other person's action is going to be. You know when it's going to end. So, like, it's just finding freedom within that structure. Life scares the crap out of me. <laughs> like, being in front of, like, 150 people or whatever. That's easy because I know what I'm supposed to say. And I've practiced doing those exact things for at least four to six weeks beforehand whereas in life it's like this is my one shot i don't get to come back tomorrow morning and be like all right i'm gonna run through the exact same thing again hopefully this time it works yeah and you always say and there's an end scene yeah like it's like (laughs) and scene (laughs) like light shift 
I think in some ways it's not exactly the same, but we do kind of potentially get to relive certain scenarios. I mean, it's not going to be necessarily the same person or the same location or whatnot, but I, I've been thinking a lot around relationships too. And just like, if you don't, and it doesn't have to be just romantic relationships, but if you're not learning your lesson and you keep actually reenacting the same scene until you learn what you need to learn. So there, there's a little practice in it, but I, I get totally get what you're saying. There's, there's no guarantee in that additional practice or structure and it's not going to look the same. There's going to be a new curveball. There's going to be a, a new scene actor. There's going to be a new problem or element or twist that maybe you haven't experienced before, but I think that kind of carries over a little bit too. Also, the other thing that scares me about life is that the stakes are a lot higher and they're real. Whereas like if I mess up in front of a crowd, like they're not going to remember that. Like, maybe at most a couple of days, but, like, they're going to forget about that. Whereas, like, if I say something stupid, like, I'm I'm that guy forever. Like, I, I'm the one who made the joke that nobody laughed at. Like, no. And Terrible. now it's recorded, too. Yeah. Wait, this? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> Dang. You know, I make jokes all the time that people don't laugh at. It's true. <laughs> You're not alone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think I'm hilarious, yeah, but there are many. Not, not everyone else concurs. <laughs> so I have, um, we had an interesting dialogue around typecasting and how you specifically were like, everyone always tries to like put me in this box, but I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to explore that territory of who I, th- who people think that I am. And I, I loved that, especially as it pertains to living your true north, because, um, and we've been having some conversations with a bunch of different people this year around just labels and how easy it is for the world to, you know, force people into boxes so that it can, so that things can be made, seem to be made sense, but how much people are actually missed when you do that, because when you just assume that somebody who looks this certain way or has these certain characteristics is the same as everyone else that looks like them and has those characteristics you just you miss the point you like miss the life and um there seemed to be a parallel there and I just I wanted to get your take on you know where you sit with that today what you said I think this is sort of what we were talking about what you're referring to of like, uh, because I happen to be of a minority ethnicity and all that, that my story should be a certain way. Like that's always rubbed me the wrong way. Of like, I have. Okay, here we go. Soapbox. Uh, as a, I'm sure as women as well, you feel this way. But as a, a person of color, I feel like I have to. Uh, like my sto- like I'm expected to sort of verbalized the you want to call it racial trauma whatever it is like that whole thing like for an audience and that's not interesting to me at all that's not why I got excited about storytelling that's not what inspired me to try to be an artist those things like silly things like silly stories made me want to do that so like just because I am whom I am doesn't mean that I have to like 
suddenly like talk about like all these very serious and important socioeconomic issues like I, I had a friend who's also a person of color tell me uh that you are who you are so just write where you write and therefore it's representative of our experience like it doesn't have to like forget about how what every what the marketplace is doing like just write your story man and just because it's you like it, it's representative of like a mexican-american experience like it doesn't have to be deliberately about like oh my god like uh a family torn apart by deportations like that's not interesting to me so said i wrote about like six idiots who decided to do a play together and like end up colliding together in like love and sex and just egos and whatever yeah. I have no idea if any of that made sense. It, I mean, to me, it did. Janelle, did it track for you? Yeah, no, totally. I, I love that. That's your actual truth, too, because the rest of it might be more of what people are just expecting you to step into versus what and what you care about and how you're viewing your own life. So, yeah, yeah. track. I mean, even like, so there's a project that I came to Kane with that I wanted to like get out I tend my modality tends to be dancing but I felt like I had these I I had a different modality that I wanted to play with and I wanted to like unpack through creativity the fact that I was I had cancer when I was in my teens and I you know survived it and like all the weird stuff that went along with it um because so many people went when they look at me I'm like I look like this sweet little innocent like white girl Mm -hmm. and like this little doll and I'm like oh she's so sweet and um you know a lot of people who knew me I went to a really big high school and there's a lot of people who just assumed that I was this like innocent naive poor little like cancer like I literally I ended up talking to people a guy actually like several he took me to a dance when I was in high school, but I mean, I, it was nothing crazy. I mean, I, we went to the dance and then like we didn't date or anything like that. Um, but when I shaved my head a few, I don't know, five years ago, seven years ago now, I reached out to him and I was like, thank you for doing that. Like that made me feel seen and whatever, whatever. And we ended up started starting to talk or text and I was being myself, which is like this spicy, I'm like, actually, I have a bite to me. Like I'm, I, I'm not, I, yeah, I'm like, you know, a sweet person, but I also say fuck a lot. And I'm like, I get mad and I, and I express and I'm edgy and I sometimes throw things at walls. And as we were talking, he was like, you're really different than I thought you were. And we ended up not he like made a not so smooth exit (laughs) from my (laughs) life. And I remember being like, Oh my God, how many other people just like only saw me as like, I don't know this one version of myself because that's what I looked like. And, um, and really, you know, we've had conversations on this podcast too with people where it was the same thing. It's like, don't just assume because you know one cancer patient that you know them all. Like, don't just assume that because you know one bisexual that you know them all. And 
that was an that was the invitation that I got from you with that too, which is like, just because you happen to have these characteristics, doesn't mean that you have to do anything. And by you actually sharing your authentic voice, I mean, it, it, it allows other people to see that we're all, all of it. And it's not that you have to fit into some box and you can in some capacities, because I definitely can still be, there's like a purity to me, I think. No, Kane says absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I've, some people have said that, but it's cool. Um, but yeah, you know, it's like we are all all of it, and I think that 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 it's funny, like being able to share your true voice through the stereotypes that exist, or the story you maybe are you think you're supposed to be told. That that's actually like a rebellious thing to do. Isn't there a sign that like a poster? It's like the most rebellious thing you can do is to just be yourself. It's a girl on an airplane. I'm going to find it and I'm going to link it in the show notes. That's very you. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> that was my soapbox that I will now get off of. It's uh, so true, though. It, well, and I think even sometimes we surprise ourselves. Like lately, I've, I've had a lot of change in my life in the last couple of months. And there are certain parts even of me that I think I've forgotten. Um, so for example, we hear it all the time on the podcast, but especially in work environments, I definitely present myself as maybe a little cooler, um, cold, some might say, <laughs> um, in, in my approach and like very focused. But then there's also, and that a lot of times is who I am, but then there's also this other side of me in, in my journey of, I used to be very, um, very naive in many ways and just like over trusting and like incredibly loving and sensitive. And I'm still all of those things, but they kind of show up at different points in, in my life. But that's a lot of times not what everyone sees. So similar to your story, Rachel, and I actually just had a conversation with someone that I said, let me just show you who I am, like stop trying to categorize me or um, to try to figure me out, like I'm not here to be solved, just let me show up as me, and there, you know, there isn't an end scene in that, right, I'm going to continually evolve, there won't be an end point where you're just going to figure me out, and I'll ask this, or and I'll try to do the same myself with with you. Um, and I think that's a really beautiful invitation in like any of our relationships of we're not these people to be solved or to be categorized. Like, yes, we do that because it's quick. It's easy. We do it for our safety. Like there's a lot of reasons why the mind does that, but can we just, Rachel, I'll use your words, be that loving witness and just let people show up as they are. And then you can make your decisions from there. Yeah. I think, Kane, your detachment from, like, like you allowing a thing to have a life of its own is, um, is that embodied, actually. It's, like, letting people just, like, witness it as it is. I don't know. That's what feels true to me. So. That makes sense. That makes sense. I, I have a whole, I have no, just a lot of thoughts about my own process. Because I'm actually literally in the middle of, I'm on spring break from school. So uh, as I was telling uh, our friends upstairs, because where we're recording this, we're downstairs. 
uh, of like, uh, uh, apparently I need a lot of stress in my life. Like it's the void where love usually is. I guess I just need stress. So like, uh, I need like a whole bunch of layers of it. And since school isn't it this week, it's like, well, let me go back and rewrite my play like I always said I would. And so like this whole week I've been like, rewriting like a mad person like uh trying to get that done and i have what what did you say that started me off on this tangent um i said you have like a, a detachment to you create things and then you let it go and let people just oh yeah it, 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 in certain as that is true but also like i at the same time i know what i want it to be for me mm. And uh, specifically with writing, it is so hard to stop rewriting. So, like, I, I, I mean, you're it, it's a work in progress. I'll, I, I just wanted to say that. I yeah. mean, you do realize that you're like, uh, everything that you're saying is like a direct parallel to like living life. It's like I'm doing this for me. <laughs> I'm forever tweaking it. It's a work in progress. Like, that is life. That's like, it's so wild. Every time I talk to you about your creative process and the things you're doing, I'm like, that's literally what I talk to people about in how they live, how an invitation for how they could live and to be able to not get just like stuck in the weeds and just keep sinking. It's like, how do you find a way to make this speak your heart? knowing that it's always going to be a work in progress and knowing when it's time to let it out there and let other people do whatever they will with it without being attached. I mean, it's like, I'm like, yes, you, I don't know. It's like so cool to me um, that such two, such two different um, disciplines are like so in lockstep of around the meaning of life for me and for you as your creative process. But I'm in denial, Rachel. <laughs> well, I don't know it how it's possible. It does not apply to my life. <laughs> I don't know. I refuse <laughs> to accept that advice. It's so crazy to me. Because it's so, it's like, it's like as if I am like, I, it's as if you are telling me exactly what I would want you to say to show me how the creative process is a, a, a form of life. And like, it's so wild. Literally every time we talk, I'm like, how is, what, huh, what? Yeah, and I always look at you with this blank stare of like, <laughs> no, this has nothing to do with life. What are you talking about? I'm going to continue operating in this mode that is not conducive to my long-term oh my evolution. Yet, you're some, yet you are. Well, it's okay if, you're, if it works for you not to think that it is. I'm cool with that. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, I love that it. unconscious mind. It's there. Yeah, it's totally fucking there. It's crazy. Um, okay, what else do we have on that sheet? Uh, putting yourself out there. Oh yeah, actually, I would rather. Can I ask you a different question? Sure. I only prepared this document <laughs> for that. Moment, <laughs> Sorry, but... you're very prepared. I have to adapt. Improv. Uh, improv. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Um. And... So you, I, this isn't really a thought through question, but something for me like you always show up for me in a way of like I don't know if self-deprecation is the right word no it absolutely okay, probably is cool and but it's like in a way that works 
it's not it's like self-deprecation that actually propels you forward and like propels me forward yeah that's what it feels like to me anyways i would love to hear how self-deprecation has played a role in you being who you are one of my greatest fears for reasons that are way too personal to ever divulge is to be the kind of person who is unaware of their own faults and the consequences that they create in others by the way they act. So I definitely deliberately always want to be aware of every single one of my faults. I never want to get way too ahead of myself ever, 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 ever. And I would much rather that than to be some, but some confidence is good to be overconfident like certain public figures that's to me that's the platonic ideal of what i don't want to be and so self-deprecation is the way that i can the the psychological tool that i have at my disposal to be like this doesn't matter which also speaks to you know my whole philosophy about art like it doesn't matter just put it out there Yeah, just share, share it with everybody again um uh so if you're if you're listening to this podcast you're probably an artist and refuse to admit it to yourself like I do uh including you Janelle uh so don't worry about what other people are going to think because hey guess what everything is shit I don't mean just the world you know p- pandemic or whatever I mean like artworks out there are pretty bad Locally, look around you, pretty bad. Nationally, n- n- not so good. So, like, why can't you suck? If these people can suck, why can't you suck? You could probably suck less than them, probably. So just do it. That oh my That's God. my whole Quote thing. of the episode. Yeah. I love it. Yes. It is true, though. True. And, like, we talk about that, too, of just, like, just fucking try it. Like, you're going to... Like, you're going to be bad until someday maybe you, like, make something that's not that bad and then you're gonna be bad again so you might as well just like do it yeah definitely like just hey you've always wanted to make movies uh if you're listening to this podcast you probably have a cell phone so uh you can just uh on the app store or whatever search for like movie camera or whatever filmic pro moment whatever and like just as Greta Gerwig said, make your movie. So just just do it. Who cares if you don't have the equipment? You'll learn it along the way. You'll be like, oh, so this is why like people record sound separately. Or like, oh, this is kind of what I need. Oh, I should probably stabilize this. Let me get something very cheap that I can put the thing in. Like, you'll just learn along the way. And I know you're going to say, this is just like life. I was going to say that. I refuse to accept that. It is not life. Actually, totally what... Life is art. Actually, what I was going to say was, one of my questions was going to be, how does the creative process allow you to be who you are and emulate that process of becoming who you are? And then I realized that I don't need to because we, this whole conversation has given that answer way more organically. I have this theory about people of, like, in moments of stress, that's who you really are. Mm-hmm. So if you, like, irrationally act out and yell and thrash during moments of stress when you need to make a decision, that's who you are. You are, this is probably too negative for this podcast, but you are weak and you need to seriously 
self-evaluate and change things about you. If you can hit like a major roadblock and like just take a beat, feel bad about it, and then be like, okay, what are the next steps? To me, that's a mark of a good person, of like level-headed, clear, like, so to me, so yes, when I'm doing work, I feel like that's me at my purest because I'm not self-consciously thinking about my body or, or ingratiating myself to somebody right in front of me. It's about how do I solve this thing right here? L- let me solve this thing because I'm actually doing it and I'm actually in the moment. Yeah. Preach. Mm. Are you going to snap or start snapping? No, <laughs> no but I wanted to share. Janelle, Terrible. what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> Janelle will do that for us. Um, I will. But it's funny. Well, I don't know if it's funny is what I it is funny. meant to say. Accept it. Okay, it's funny. Um, Like when I was like, Kane, you should be on my podcast. And you're like, oh, so you've run out of interesting people. And I'm on, what did you say? Uh. Oh wait, no. Oh, by the way, I lo- I someone stole my phone last week. Stop. So I've been all over the place. Yeah. Oh my god. Definitely. So I was gonna say, let me look it up, but then I realized, oh wait, yeah. I can't. Oh, I probably have it but, in my phone. Yeah, I I definitely said something like, oh, you've run out of interesting people to talk to, and now like you've hit the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, you've hit the bottom of the barrel, and then you're like, yes, <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> no, I think I said I don't want to do it, but I oh, feel yeah. like that means I have to do it. Oh yeah. Well, I appreciate it because this has been a very, like, uh, not conversation about life about life. So Definitely not applicable to life at all. Not at all. If there's anything I want to stress, <laughs> none of this <laughs> is going to help you grow as a person at all. And if it does, you're doing it wrong. Got it. <laughs> oh, my God. So um, talk a little bit. You've talked a little bit about this, but talk a little bit more about what it's like to choose to put yourself out there. Um, I know you talked about like, you know, you're going to fuck up, so just do it. But how else has that process been for you? Uh, it, it, it's uh, putting yourself out there, like, especially if you're like part of a little community, like, I don't, it just makes you feel like more connected with people of like, other people who have put themselves out there, like, recognize each other. Of Like, oh, you know how it is. Like, it's the worst. And yet, it's also the best, which is why we keep stupidly doing it. It's terrifying. It's stressful. And yet, I keep wanting to do it every time. Like, every time. Like, I'm always like, oh, I don't want to. But then I'm like, no, I, I like this. This is good. I just wish that I had more time. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, that's the main thing. I wish there was way more time than there is, but it, it's, I wish I had put myself out there sooner, but at the same time, it, it probably would have looked different. I feel like, because in theater, a lot of my peers or whatever are younger than me or started younger than me. Uh, and I, I don't know, it just feels sort of, I feel a little bit more grounded and centered in a weird way, even though my life is still a mess. But, like, I don't know. I I can only do it in the way that I did it. And here we are, and I have no idea if that's even an answer. Yeah, it for sure is. And Oh, I was just going to call it, you essentially just said vulnerability leads 
to connection, which I think is really beautiful. Putting yourself out there, being vulnerable, doing something that's scary has allowed you to connect with other people more so than you normally would. That was just the only thing I want to call out. Uh, Janelle, did you make a connection between creative process and real life? <laughs> I, I thought Always. I was pretty clear oh. that we're not supposed to do that. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, sorry. No, that's nothing to do with life. You're right. Okay. My, my <laughs> uh, thank you for that totally unrelated observation. <laughs> well, we'll we'll edit that out. Sorry. Thank you. My, no, my no, bad. We won't. Um, the maybe artist makes a lot more sense now. How dare you? <laughs> I'm going to leave it at that. Okay. All right. <laughs> Is oh there anything gosh. else that you feel would be an important share on your part, knowing that you're on a podcast called The True North Collective? Uh, yeah, I'm actually serious about there are people listening to your podcast who probably harbor dreams of being an artist like seriously don't wait for anybody to give you permission to just do it and if you're worried of like where do i get my ideas from like you are probably a consumer of a lot of content use that to inspire you of like oh this person did this i bet i could do something like that but better or like go into your weird little niches like herman melville before moby dick loved whales he did not think he would ever write a book about a whale, but he's like, oh, hey, I'm writing this book. Like, I could use all my whale knowledge. Like, so just go into your weird little niche your interests. Little world. Yeah. You never know what's going to come up. I do, too. So just do it. You can totally make... V oh, there's also this thing, especially with women, of like... So there's this new burgeoning mode of visual storytelling of... You've seen it probably a lot uh, if you're online... Uh, front-facing videos, uh, usually women, uh, doing characters or something, like with the front-face camera, like talking to the camera, okay. like it's like just because it's easy, and like they do whole bits like that, like just do that. There's a local artist oh, here, oh. Hilly Holsenback, who has started this thing um, amongst her friends that sort of like filtered out a little bit of like any female identifying person, like. DM her and she'll send you like a little monologue that you can then record, post it on Instagram, tag her, and she'll post it. And it's like this little artist club of people doing little monologues huh. with no directions. Like you just say the words, you do it in whatever way you want it to. If you want to do it like, oh, I'm wearing a towel and like I'm pretending like I got a shower, or oh, like I'm a, a witch and I have this like weird makeup on, or like, Oh, I'm doing it like I'm a '50s housewife. Like you could do whatever you want. It like so just Rachel, upside down chin people. Upside exactly. down. Have you ever done that? Upside down chin people. I'm no, telling I'm you. I'm not weird, Janelle. I'm not like you. <laughs> um, but yes, just just do it. You have just put yourself out there. Yeah. Like screw it. Yeah, I mean that's what this podcast is. But not life though. Right. Only Never. with creativity. No, no. Totally. Never life. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I also loved your call out of it's never too late to start. And that, in fact, starting later, if you are, is great because you needed to go through whatever you needed to go through to get to the point where you were ready to share. I know as a... Uh, <clears throat> 
37-year-old who basically decided to redefine her entire life at the age of like 34, I absolutely have looked around at times and been like, uh, what? (laughs) And at the same time, I'm doing so, like my heart, my heart is like out there in all that I do. And I was not, I was so numbed out when I was younger. There's no way that I could have been doing what I'm doing right now. And so I am constantly playing that dance of like being like, oh shit, I'm too late to the game. And then just being like, nope, couldn't have been here till I'm here. So I just appreciate that call out because I, again, I know that there are a lot of people listening who are maybe, and it doesn't have to be career, but anything that you've kind of stopped yourself from doing because you're like, oh, I can't. I missed my chance. Fuck that. Like, yes, you can. I just saw a post on Instagram or something of this old woman who's like 78 and she's just like, it shows up before and after and she's like ripped. It's like, you do, you can do it. If you want to do it, just do it. See what happens. Yeah, for sure. There's this viral post I'm sure you've seen of like, Oprah didn't get her first show until she was like in her late 30s and all that. And like, uh, today I was looking up stuff and like, Leonard Cohen didn't release his first album until he was in his 40s. Really? Yes. And the guy from uh, The Cars, the band The Cars, who died recently, Rick, with a weird Polish name, OZ, whatever. All right. He didn't release that first album until he was like in his late 30s. And like that first album is like top-notch statues classics. And if he started 10 years earlier, it would not have been that. Yeah. But like... You do it when you can do it, I guess. God, so many good quotes in this. I know you're pissed about it, but it's true. All right. Well, I would sit and talk to you a lot longer. It's been too long. I miss hanging out with you. Yeah, well, because you left for the country for a long bit. I know, I did leave for the country for a long bit. And now the world's shutting down. Are you patient zero? (laughs) (laughs) Not funny. Um, but would you ever want to come back on and talk about other random topics? With... Sure. Okay, great. You, it's been recorded. I, I'm you said pretty yes. sure you, could, you should check with your co-host, <laughs> who has been suspiciously quiet. But I'm always suspiciously quiet. <laughs> She's taking it all in. Um, Janelle, is there any other questions that you have for Kane? I have one in great. one word. How do you live your true north? I'm looking at my notes. Uh, <laughs> the one Organic. word I have written down is complicated. Fair, fair. I love it. Unknown. Unknown is my the other. Oh, complicated and unknown. Or unknown. Or. Take your pick. Which one's rising to the top today? Unknown today. Okay, I like I it. I wrote this a month ago. <laughs> yeah, unknown. Go with unknown then. Feel it in the moment. Yeah, you were very patient and flexible with the rescheduling so thank you all right well if anyone wanted to get in touch with you or if do you help people get their ideas onto paper i help no people great no i uh few i've yes theoretically i could yes do you want to sure if somebody listens to this and is like hey i heard you blah 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 as long as it's not having to do with life, <laughs> definitely, sure. The reason I say it is because you are a very non-judgmental, like, space 
for you have been that for me, um, for me to be able to get things out on paper and to not overcomplicate it or overthink it. Uh, and I, again, as which by the way, the only reason we pause that is because of me. Yes, I know. I am fully. I take full responsibility. Okay, then. Does that mean we're done? No. That's right. Yeah. That's on the record. <laughs> Janelle, you're a witness. I'm here. A witness. I'll sign anything you need me to sign. <laughs> I will fax you an affidavit in the morning. Perfect. Okay, but true in all um, seriousness, where can people get in touch with you if they want to reach out? Once again, referring to my notes, the first bullet point is don't. Okay. And the second <laughs> bullet point is uh, on Instagram. Television blues, that's television, singular, blues, plural, one word. I really hope I didn't laugh too much. Um, distracting. Yeah, you guys. I was terrible. Uh, note to the listeners, they always pre- uh, preamble their <laughs> interviews with like, we are not going to laugh. We're not going I to give you any sort of verbal uh like uh 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 it recognition so at all funny. and they were just yucking it up like unprofessionals <laughs> you know what though normally it's i terrible. have my own mic and i can mute it while you're talking and then that way you can't hear me laughing but we're in the same room it's very pr- difficult I, i'm pretty sure like your uh laughter travels over to my direction <laughs> no it's terrible i'm sorry all right so thank you so much, Kane. You're yes, the fucking bomb. You, and um, thank you for all the laughs today. Yeah. I actually really needed that. I, t- I told you I started out tired and now energy, laughter. I unmuted myself to laugh because I thought it was deserved. <laughs> oh, hear that. Honestly, you're one of the most amazing humans I've ever met. So thank you for being in my life. And that's how you know she has no idea what she's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. This has been another episode of the True North Collective podcast. For more from Rachel and I, check us out on the gram at the True North Collective underscore. And if you liked what you heard today, leave us a review wherever you are listening to this podcast. Until next time.